This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland. conducting public hearings, and offering recommendations to the City Council on a wide range of local land use issues. The Planning Commission consists of nine Midland residents who are appointed by the City Council. Planning Commission meets two Tuesdays per month at 7 p.m. in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through channel 99 on at and UVerse, or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs podcast channel. I just censor that. Okay, we're live. Okay, uh, welcome to the uh, regular meeting of the Midland City Planning Commission for Tuesday, April 28, 2020. This meeting is being held electronically due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll start our meeting off. The meeting is called to order. And if you would, uh, Mr. Marshall, would you please call roll? Yes. Fine. Here. Bain. Here. Saddle. Here. Roderick. Kohlinger. Here. Rogers. Here. Knossick. And Mayville. Here. All okay. right, we do have a quorum this Great. evening. Yes, we do. Uh, first, uh, next on the agenda would be approval of the minutes from the last meeting. Are there any changes? And actually, Chairman, if I could just chime in real quick, I do want to provide just a friendly reminder. Um, because we're digital and some people may just be listening in via audio, um, it's important to, when you make a motion or you second a motion, to say, I, Commissioner Hanna, or I, Commissioner Hine, make that motion, um, and then I, Commissioner Kohlinger, and such, um, second that motion. So please introduce yourself so that the audience does have a means to recognize the voice. Um, just wanted to provide that reminder. Great, thank you, Grant. All Very right, good. so any changes to the minutes? With that in mind, High Commissioner Hine moved to approve the mi minutes from the last meeting. Okay. We have a Jeremy. motion to approve and second. And so I think that was Commissioner Hannah that seconded. So Gail, when we ask for a second, you need to call out your name. Uh -huh. Okay, we all set. Okay, yep. so we need to roll call vote. Uh, so Gail, you weren't at the last meeting. We have to do a roll call vote on all votes. Oh, does that just mean that you're present? No, you're gonna, Grant's gonna call for roll it, call. That I, pr I prove it, okay? Well, no, he's gonna call roll for everybody to vote. Go ahead, Grant. Okay. Yes. Okay, so this is the uh, motion on the approval of the minutes that's written. Rogers. Yes. Kohlinger. 
Yes. Broderick. Yes. Seibel. Yes. Bane. Yes. Hein. Yes. And Mayville. Yes. That motion is approved unanimously. Okay, great. So uh, for tonight, we'll move on. There are no public hearings. Uh, we go on to old business, and there's one piece of old business, and that's on the site plan review process. Uh, Mr. Marshall, uh, you have a short presentation on that? I do. So I'll go ahead and share my screen right now. So you can recall that we've spent um, a couple of meetings actually since the beginning of the year talking about the amendments to the site plan review process. Um, this is something that was handed down to us by directive of city council and that was the result of um, some pretty detailed conversation back during their meeting, uh, their um, council retreat back in January, uh, the first Saturday of January. Uh, but if you recall, really the goal is to amend the city's objective site plan review process to try and align it better with best practices, but also trying to alleviate some of the issues that we've seen here uh, within the city as it relates to our approval process. Um, the biggest uh, change in all of this would see that the Planning Commission would have final approval on large site plans. Um, and then there'd be some modifications to the approval side on the administrative um, side of things as well. So. Within the report um, that was uh, included within the staff packet or the agenda packet, you did see uh, a very kind of minor detailed um, uh, proposal from staff to kind of get um, some numbers and things behind um, some of the changes that would be um, taken as part of this um, process. One thing I do want to point out, though, is some things that we have reached consensus on to date, and that would be that the Planning Commission review would still include a public hearing. Um, that mailings would still go out to all properties and occupants within 300 feet ahead of that public hearing. That would still be done 15 days prior to the public notice or public hearing, just like we do today. We'd also publish a notice within the Midland Daily News uh, that would advertise to the general public um, any public hearings that we would be having as well. So that's the same thing that we do right now for all of our site plans. Um, which puts them on our agenda as a public hearing. So the consensus to date has been to still continue that process uh, into the future. The other thing that we've talked about was that the administrative approval or those site plans that can be approved just by staff without having to go through the public hearing process, that we should increase the size for which those projects can be approved by staff. Um, we did receive direction from all of you uh, to look at um, increasing the size. And so tonight is really what I wanna talk about is these outstanding items, um, which include what level of the size should we um, increase that to? And I know we had a little bit of back and forth on that, um, as well as considerable discussion as it relates to the square footages of projects that we've seen to date. And so I did want to include, and I did include um, the site plan square footage data from the last, um, I believe it goes all the way back uh, 10 years, um, back to 2010. Um, and the square footages of those projects that we've seen so far. Right now, our existing standards indicate that all projects that are up to 7,500 square feet, up to 25 parking spaces, and up to four site condominiums, that those would all be reviewed administratively by staff. Um, we do have a recommendation that we put together that would seek to increase that building square footage to 15,000 square feet. 
the parking spaces up to 50, um, 50 parking spaces, so effectively doubling it. And then also site condominiums up to 10 um, site condominiums. Uh, just as a refresher, you can recall site condominiums is a newer way at which um, land can be developed for single, primarily single family purposes. It can also be duplexes, um, but it looks very similar to a, su a subdivision, um, but it's reviewed through a site planning process as opposed to the site, uh, the subdivision review process, which is actually its own standalone thing outside of the zoning ordinance and contained within the code of ordinances for the city. So staff's recommendation would be to uh, double the square footages, um, double the parking spaces, and then just over uh, double of the number of site condominium units, um, up to 10 site condominium units that could be approved by staff. I have a question, Grant. Um, yes. Sorry to ask questions during this. No, and that that's perfect. Okay, great. Uh, currently then, uh, you have administration, administrative approval for up to 7,500 square feet that does not need any other approval currently. That's correct. So if a project comes forward to us that, um, trying to think of maybe a good example recently, um, the 1016 building on the circle, um, right at the intersection of Jefferson and Saginaw Road, that is actually um, just over 7,400 square feet. Um, but that's something that was approved just by staff and so the review process is very similar to what it what happens before it gets to all of you, which includes review by various departments, um, water distribution, stormwater, um, engineering, the fire department, the building department, um, all of those bodies still have review of that site plan before it gets approved. Um, it's then signed off by me as the planning director and then proceeds through the construction permitting process, which is building permits and um, engineering permits and the like. So. So that's that's how it currently stands is that 7,500 square feet. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm not sure that I understand why it's necessary to make that change. So if you recall back at the last um, meeting, we did have discussion about wanting to um, increase that, that square footage amount. And I believe the rationale, at least a couple of the rationale that was provided by um, members at that time was really to um, think about the total number of projects that we've seen um, that are coming forward to us and really trying to review things um, in a fast track way to allow for development to continue uh, fairly quickly, as opposed to bringing it through a process that would take a little bit longer of a, of a time period. So that's where we landed at the Staff landed at the 15,000 square feet, really just analyzing that spreadsheet that was included within the packet to really not um, pick up a considerable number of the total projects, but to um, include still a good chunk of those that have that have come forward to us. <clears throat> and again, this would be all the other thought process that we talked about is again, these are properties that have been zoned for those purposes. And so it's a matter of really just checking boxes and allowing staff to have the flexibility to check those boxes um, in a more efficient manner as opposed to um, bringing them forward to the planning commission and um, elongating that process. What would yeah, you do? What would you do if? Uh you found that there was an area that was surrounded by, say, uh, Class A housing that they wanted to do this kind of a, 
a, a condominium in, would you still not bring it back to us? It would be depending on the size that they'd be proposing. So in the staff proposal, if it was 11 condominiums that would be proposed, that would go in front of planning commission. If it was 10 or less, that would be reviewed by staff. This is Commissioner Collinger. Grant, I think one of the other thought processes we had at the time was, I think you said it earlier, I mean, looking at kind of transit in the state and bringing the city of Midland more in line with um, what's typically done in other planning departments. And I, I think this is also in line with that as well um, in order to bring this up to some of the things that are going on in the state, correct? Yes, that is correct. In consideration yeah, of, of all of this, we did think through um, and look at other communities. I would say if you put Midland with the staff proposal, if you put Midland on a spectrum, you'd, we'd, find, we'd fall kind of in the middle of where um, administrative staff are able to approve um, projects. Um, although there are some fairly large cities like Kalamazoo and others that do have a, a much higher square footage um, level uh, that staff can approve. <clears throat> there are some other considerations that are giving in, given in their process, um, considerations like surrounding single family residential and those types of things. But, um, but this certainly would place us more into the middle of what other communities are doing. Yeah, and uh, Gail, this is uh, Commissioner Mayville, and just as a reminder on some of this as well, part of this coming from the uh, City Council was for staff to look at this and Planning Commission to look at it as well, that uh, we um, would also have approval at the Planning Commission uh, level uh, for certain projects as well, depending upon the size that the uh, City Council ultimately um, agrees to and approves and so at our meeting i think that was in february where we had discussed this quite a bit uh, we had talked about maybe upping the square footage from 7500 to an unknown number at the time and we were just kicked around some ideas and this is what staffs come back as for the recommendation for what they can approve up to and then there's a and then the planning commission would have approval with uh these uh, site plans uh, above 15,000 and the other recommendations that he'll be that grant will be getting into here. Okay. Grant wasn't part of the rationale also to allow the planning commission to focus on master planning more than site plan review. That was part of it. Um, yes. Um, as part of really the, the staff kind of package of why we wanted to really take a look at this, um, certainly making sure that we're efficiently using the staff resources that we have uh, to bring really the more important type of things to the commission. Um, that was one of the considerations. Um, it does take a sizable amount of time from a staff perspective to put the agenda packets together, to write the staff reports, to do the mailings. Um, and the thought was if we had less plan less site plans that were coming forward um, to all of you that then time could be made for uh, reviewing other things like master planning. Um, I know we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about other types of zoning uh, modernization and um, things like uh, climate change um, and uh, climate resiliency type of planning. Um, it would allow us to dive deeper into non-motorized transportation and um, some of those other things that we don't really have a lot of time to do when we have um, three or four public hearings that are coming at us at a, at a, 
at a time. So that was also part of the consideration. I think it would be mindful uh, or important to really recall too, um, the reason why this is moving from a city council level down to the planning commission level is because it is an administrative task. It's an objective checklist. And when we introduce a legislative body that's elected, um, you have the uh, potential for public uh, comment and um, politi political um, um, really po uh, politicking that can be introduced into the project, um, the whole type of approval process as well. And so the thought is not only can we um, do the administrative tasks by tasking all of you uh, to have that final authority, um, if we did increase the level at which staff can approve it, that would again um, fast track it and allow for development to take place a little bit quicker. I think I should also mention too, um, one of the things that the Michigan Economic Development Corporation talks about in the Redevelopment Readies program, um, that's a program that we participated in for a number of years and we're still seeking certification through that. Um, but one of the biggest things that they talk about in best practices is ensuring that the indus um, development industry and those that are wanting to invest within communities, that they have a very clear and defined process at which they need to seek approvals. And we have seen a few situations recently um, and definitely over the years where that approval process becomes um, uh, kind of a moving goalpost, if you will, as soon as it gets to the legislative body at the city council level. Um, I think at our level, at the planning commission level, for the most part, we've done a very good job of really trying to stick to those very defined criteria and not trying to entertain um, considerations that may be arbitrary or um, based off of just public opinion and not necessarily actual zoning standards that we have. Um, but we certainly have had um, cases including um, the equestrian center, you may recall, um, the case surrounding that where we, um, for the first time maybe ever, we consider, or we concerned ourselves with uh, manure management. Um, and then also too, and I'll speak a little bit more about this at the end, um, we do have a site plan coming back to us, the Danbury Place Apartments um, that was recommended by this uh, board at the last minute or last meeting. Uh, City Council did refer that back to Planning Commission for a second public hearing, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Um, but that was a 3-2 vote uh, that happened last night. So <clears throat> effectively, what we've kind of seen is that um, by introducing politics within the approval process, we do find ourselves into a, um, from a developer perspective, you find ourselves in very tricky waters, not knowing exactly how to react um, because it's kind of a moving goalpost type of thing. So setting up these changes is really to try and standardize those goalposts, let people know if they want to come to Midland and they want to develop and they want to go through a site plan review process, this is exactly what they'll need to do. And it's a very cut and dry type of approval process. And Grant, this is Jeremy again. I know that last time we discussed this, there was some discussion about uh, potentially having an, an appeal, an appeals process. Uh, is is this a good time to talk about that? I don't know if maybe this is too soon in the meeting, but just nope. wondered if you had any information about that. Sure, I do have that actually up as my next slide. So um, before I go on to that, I do maybe can ask for if there's other questions that are out there. Um, that is the next thing I was going to talk about was the appeals. Did we have any other uh, questions? Grant, a uh, couple yeah. of real quick things. Do you remember off the top of your head any of the 
site plan reviews and uh, say the the 75 to 1500 square feet where at the end of the day following all the discussion we did anything other than what was recommended i know a couple of the zoning changes and things like that you know there's been some pushback and uh, deviation from staff recommendations, but in terms of actual site plan reviews and that interim, the only thing I can really think of relates to uh, maybe Dr. Nash's thing or some discussion about changing the type of wall around the garbage bin. And but have, has there has there ever been any meaningful changes that this group has? Uh, deviated from the staff recommendations on? Well, I think um, we, we deal with a lot of plans that do come to us uh, or to all of you in a very um, uh, complete manner. Um, and that's mm -hmm. really our goal at, at the staff level. We don't want to be wasting everyone's time by bringing forward plans that are incomplete. Um, although there are times where we do find ourselves uh, being pressured by applicants to bring forward plans that aren't fully compliant. So I would say that overall, um, when staff works and can get a plan into a very um, completed state and have very limited contingencies, um, we do have a record where this body does support those recommendations um, uh, quite high. Um, and there may be little modifications like um, the uh, uh, the screening around the dumpster at Dr. Nash's mm -hmm. place. I can recall also discussions about fencing over at the new Brooks Estates apartment complex over at Sweet and Eastlawn as well. Um, so it's been pretty minor in that regard. Um, the times that we do have incomplete plans, um, and one that comes to mind is actually CVS Pharmacy on Saginaw Road. Um, there's been times where staff has actually had pressure to bring forward plans that aren't really complete and will write reports that indicate as such. And so um, I think we have had a very good track record where this body has been very supportive of staff and also very mindful of the, uh, the regulations of the city and holding those developers accountable to make sure that they are complying with those standards. And that usually results in maybe a two or four week delay of those recommendations so that the applicant actually has time to address them. Um, but I would say that it's worked very well um, to have this group really be that secondary backbone to ensure that we are meeting um, those making, um, we are meeting those standards. <clears throat> I'd say maybe another example of that more recently would be um, Osmond townhouses over off of a surgeon, a surgeon and let's um, if you can recall, they have actually been wanting to petition FEMA to amend the floodplain extent. Oh, there. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know that we came forward and said it's really too early for us to be taking action on this because we don't know where that floodplain line is going to land. And all of you echoed those sentiments and ultimately the applicant withdrew until they could get their uh, ducks in order, if you will. So <clears throat> I'd say that that back and forth has been really helpful. Um, but I'd say overall, really, it is our goal at the staff level to bring forward things that are complete when it comes to site plans, um, because it doesn't make sense to have public hearings and other things where we're listing a lot of outstanding items that could have been dealt with ahead of time. Yeah. And one other thing, my memory is probably bad, but 
there's a listing of a home two suites uh, back in about uh, March of last year. I don't remember that. Does anybody else or? That was actually, it's a hotel that's proposed right next to Residence Inn. Um, so it'd be east of Residence Inn and north of Spring Hill Suites. Yes, I've been waiting for the ground to be broken there also. But yeah. I okay, remember. I remember it now. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> are there any other questions, I guess, on the, um, on the administrative side of things for setting those at, at the recommended levels by staff? Do we have any other concerns or? No, I, I like that level grant. This is uh, Commissioner Mayville. Okay. I'm seeing some other head nods as well. So um, mm -hmm. what I'll do is actually go back to sharing my screen and um, we'll talk about the appeal process. There we go. So staff did uh, do some additional research. And if you can recall, we did kind of lay out two options um, by either taking a um, appeal to city council or to the zoning board of appeals. Um, during our research though, we did find that there's a lot of legal recommendations that exist. Um, the MSU extension office out of Michigan State University does a lot of um, effectively uh, narratives on um, these types of matters. And they really do recommend that an administrative action only be appealed to the city's board of appeals as opposed to appealing it to a legislative body. And so we did find, and what our recommendation is um, by staff is to make sure, or is to put that the approval process would lie with the city's zoning board of appeals. Um, not only is that a recommendation that's coming from um, MSU Extension and others, um, really I do wanna point out that the zoning board of appeals is just that, it's a body that's set up to handle appeals, um, and they have a very methodical type of way in which they review um, each type of application that comes in front of them. So it does make logical sense that that would be your appeal body. Of course, any decision that's rendered by the Zoning Board of Appeals can actually only be appealed uh, to circuit court. So if a planning, so let's say the site plan was denied by planning commission, it goes in front of the Zoning Board of Appeals, Zoning Board of Appeals agrees with that and it's denied, uh, the applicant does have the ability to appeal that decision to the circuit court, which is how any decision of the ZBA is handled um, if the applicants don't like that decision. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, Grant, this would apply to administrative decisions as well or not? It, it, yes, it would. Um, and that's how it currently exists today. If, um, if I make a decision, like let's say, um, trying to think of some examples where the planning director has authority to render an administrative decision. Um, I can allow up to eight foot high fences in industrial districts. And so if I were to render a no decision on that, um, a industrial uh, property owner could go in front of the zoning board of appeals and appeal that decision today. Um, that would be the case with any type of denial of a site plan at the administrative level, they would go in front of the Zoning Court of Appeals today as well. So it would it would apply not only to the Planning Commission action, but also to staff action. Um, as but it would apply to the staff actions in particular uh, for uh, site plans that are say like 10,000 square feet because that's less than 15, correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, for the ones where we would be involved in, basically the change is it takes city council out of the loop? Yes, yep. So it would not involve um, city council at all. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess the, the for the ones that are staff actions that are being appealed, there's no real notice requirement to adjacent property owners for the smaller site plans, correct? That's correct. So in effect, this is an appeal process to the developer for the developer's benefit, right? I mean, because else how would anybody know? Or rather, at least would be asymmetric in terms of who knows what's going on, correct? That's correct. Um, so the appeal would lie, the appeal rights would lie with the actual applicant itself. So like you said, it would be the developer that would be allowed to appeal. Okay, so the people who have standing for the administrative actions would be the developer. How about the ones that go through a, uh, a you know, the larger ones that go through the planning commission, would, would uh, only the developer have standing or could an adjacent property owner or member of the public have standing to appeal? It would just be the developer as the applicant. And as it currently stands, a member of the public, if they felt a decision was improper um, that maybe city council or the planning commission rendered, um, their course of action is actually to um, file suit with the city. So, um, And they still have the option of filing suit if they thought there was an error made either by staff or by us then. That's correct. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Any other questions on this? I had a question, might not be directly related to this, a bit what James was talking about. Is there, if we move from primarily a recommending body that we have been for uh, site plans to above 15,000 square foot as an approval body, are there any um, liabilities on us as a commission or individuals that's uh, increased based on going from recommended recommending body to an approval body um so so yes as as final approval this board would take on more um authority i guess you'd say uh within the process now if um those that would take uh suit against um if they didn't like a decision that was rendered by the planning commission ultimately their um, suit would be filed against the city of midland and would not be filed against individual planning commission members um, so that's that's the same as it applies to um, maybe actions of the master plan, uh, which the planning commission currently has authority over. So um, in conversations, not I haven't had one recently with uh, the city attorney on that, but um, but from my knowledge of, of previous discussions, it would be a matter dealt with directly by the city um, and not by individual members of the commission. Okay, is that something you could confirm with? It is. Branson, thank you. Yep. Do you have more in the presentation? I do not. Well, actually, yes, I do, now that I think about it. Um, I do have one last slide, which is really to talk about where we go from here on a process side of things. Yep, that's what I was wondering about.
so I talked a little bit about the consensus and um, I know we talked early on that we had, um, it sounds like we've formed now consensus surrounding where that administrative level should be increased to. It also sounds like we have consensus on the appeal process, um, unless I'm hearing something different. Um, but from what I see is we do have a, a package that we can put together and then propose as a formal text amendment to the zoning ordinance. Um, and so as part of that, we would actually schedule a public hearing on that amendment for the Planning Commission at our second meeting in May, which would be May 26th. That would be advertised in the newspaper like we have for any text amendment. Um, and members of the public would be able to participate and provide comments at that time or could provide them in writing ahead of time. If the commission felt that everything was adequately addressed, you could render a decision that evening. And that would put the scheduling of the public hearing on City Council's June 8th um, uh, uh, meeting agenda. And then we would have 15 days minimum notice required um, and the meetings of planning or of city council in June are actually two weeks apart, which doesn't allow for that 15 days. Um, so the public hearing would actually be scheduled for July 13th um, for final consideration by city council. Any questions on that? No, I'm good with uh, what you've proposed here. I don't know if we've heard from everybody else if they have any additional input if they're good with both of these um, recommendations or are there other discussions on these it's a quiet bunch tonight yeah we must be all I like it <laughs> I, I like the plan grant this is Commissioner Hyde. I, I agree. This is one of the things we were talking about. Uh, and you know, as the site plans come before us, as you say, they, it's a, in, in most cases, it's a, a by right applic application. It's a matter of looking at it, the criteria, getting it correct, and, and getting it underway. So I, I like the, uh, the adjustment you've made and I think it'll do well for the city and well for the people who want to develop it in in this area so I'm in all of favor thank you yes yeah, Commissioner Collinger I think um, I agree with everything that's been said I think um, we've also talked a lot about how there's a perception that, that there's at least some part of this as a political process and at the end of the day I mean if the developers met the objective criteria they've met the objective criteria so Public input is great, and we should continue to get it. And we will continue to get it as part of this change. Uh, but I think this is a good step forward in, in trying to, to at least manage some of those expectations more appropriately. And Grant, and this is Jeremy Jeremy Rogers. I remember we also had some discussion about the the process of our meetings as well. And I, I believe I don't know if that would be part of this or not, or if that's a separate issue, but I, for example, I remember we discussed the possibility of instead of waiving the rules to consider a site plan that night, that that would actually be uh, what was expected was we would vote on it that evening and a wave of the rules would mean that we actually wanted to have a second evening to consider uh, the items in front of us. Is that in any way pertaining to this agenda or is that a separate issue? So that actually, um, I think that's certainly um, an issue that's very much related to this discussion. So I did include that in the staff report, but thanks for pointing that out. I did not touch on that um, individually in the, in the presentation, but um, 
but yes, that action action would be just a vote of this body to amend uh, the rules of procedure for the planning commission. So um, that's something that we could bring forward at that meeting in May 26th as well. Um, so that there would be, it would effectively change the default. The default would be to vote on it the same evening as the public hearing. Um, of course, you certainly would have the option to effectively table the petition um, to allow two weeks or more um, if there's still outstanding information that needs to happen at that time. Yeah, thank you for bringing that forward, Jeremy. We had talked about that. It is in the uh, packet that uh, Grant had provided. And I'm in agreement uh, with that recommendation as well as far as making that the change, the default to go ahead and consider it that night. But we could uh, waive or not waive, but we could uh, table and delay action until the next meeting. I I'm good with that. Is there any discussion on that? I like that as well. Me too. Me too. I like it because I, I it effectively gives one person veto power over approving something that evening. And even though I, that wasn't abused, there was a potential for that, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Sounds like you ought to include that too when you do the presentation on stuff, Grant. Yes, I can do that. And I'll plan for that on the 26th as well. Okay, anything else on this uh, matter? That covers it. Okay, great. Uh, if nobody else has any comments, I'll give a couple seconds for anybody to comment if they have. Do you plan to have the next meeting the same way? That is going to be, um, well, actually, yes. I can say that definitively our meeting on the 12th that that is still going to be during the current stay-at-home order, so we will still have a digital meeting um, on the 12th itself. Now, the meeting on the 26th, um, that's something that we may be able to meet in person. Um, we may have distancing requirements that we have to adhere to at that time, but um, hopefully the 26th will be where we'll all be able to be back together. Okay. The reason I'm asking is because we're going to try to see if we can set this up at the cabin. We've been staying up there so that we're not having the exposures that you have here because the bears and the deer don't give us much exposure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Let's move on to the next uh, item uh, six, public comments unrelated to the agenda. I'm not sure the public out there, but let's give a minute if anybody has comments. And Tad, if anybody pipes in, uh, let us know. Um, there's only one person and they have an unmuted, so. Okay, so they don't have any comments. Well, are they aware of how to unmute? I don't know if that was explained. So actually, if, if a member of the public does want to speak and they're on uh, just their phone, they can unmute by doing star six. There's nobody on the phone. They're all using the, uh, the web interface. Okay, so it would be a toggle the mute on and off on the screen, usually at the bottom left of the screen. There appears to be none. Okay, we'll move on then. Uh, item seven, uh, new business. 
Uh, doesn't look like there's any new business for tonight. Uh, communications. Uh, we don't have our nice little packets in front of us, and uh, I see a few things uh, periodically coming uh, from the Michigan chapter of uh, Michigan planning chapter. Uh, so they continue to do a good job online with that. Uh, report of the chairperson, there is none for tonight. Report of the planning director has, uh, could you bring us up to date on what happened at the city council? You said we're getting something uh, tossed back to us. Must be from the citizen input on those uh, proposed apartments. That's correct. That was a lot of the um, rationale behind the action last night. Uh, council did vote 3-2 uh, to send back Danbury Place Apartments. Um, they wanted us to reissue um, notices, mailing notices to all mem uh, people within 300 feet. Um, and if you recall, we had originally scheduled that meeting for, or that public hearing for the last meeting in March. Uh, that meeting was canceled because we didn't have allowances uh, to do an online meeting at that time. So we canceled the meeting in March. We then rescheduled the public hearings for April, um, April 12th, which at the time was the day after the first stay at home order would have um, expired. And so we had hopes that we'd all be together again. Um, and our notices said that it would be within or be at City Hall. Um, so there was not a new mailing notice that went out to uh, people within 300 feet, letting them know that we were doing a virtual meeting. Um, although we did have a lot of other ways in which we notified the public that we'd be meeting virtually uh, to still continue business in um, during this pandemic. So um, that was the biggest rationale uh, that went um, with that decision to, to move it back to the Planning Commission. Um, if you recall, this again is a site plan. It's an objective review. Um, staff's opinion is not going to change, although I can say that during this time we have worked closely with the applicant to resolve some of those contingencies. Um, so you may in fact see a site plan that's being proposed uh, with maybe one or zero contingencies um, because everything's been addressed during this time. So um, that will be in the staff report um, that'll go out ahead of the March or the May 12th meeting. Um, and we'll have a new public hearing that will be scheduled at that time. Um, there's a, a few things that I guess I, I want to comment on that. One is it's certainly the directive that's been given to us by council to go in this in this way. Um, a lot of the discussion, certainly by the mayor um, and her vote, was to um, ensure that we did have that notice be proper um, and to do it so that there's not any concern with that in the future. Um, in further discussions with her today, she actually did clarify that she wants all of you to know um, and for me to know that it was not a reflection on um, feeling that this board did an inadequate job of reviewing that site plan it was simply just trying to correct um, that uh, notice that was sent out so as part of all of that um, we do of course have another reminder of um, kind of the um, bit of interesting expectations that get um, placed <laughs> in the current process but nonetheless that's why we are seeking to amend this process and um, possibly avoid these situations in the future. So, Brent, um, which site plan is that that'll be brought back to us? That's number 399, the okay. Danbury Place Apartments over on Universal Drive. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is actually the only thing that we have for um, the Planning Commission meeting uh, on May 12th. Um, that'll be a public hearing. Um, I'm also gonna try and get some more information as it relates to the master plan. Um, and something that we're going to be starting in the latter parts of summer. So I do want to get a little bit more um, things moving on that side. So I think we'll have two agenda items at that meeting and um, not keep you all night. All right, great, thank you. So the, 
this is Jim. The council didn't have any concerns then about the uh, Bayless rezoning or the uh, dentist office on Sylvan. Uh, they did not. No, they did um, unanimously approve the site plan for that dentist office um, at Sylvan and Eastman. Uh, so they did approve that last night. They also set the public hearing for that rezoning consideration. So they haven't actually um, given final thought on that. That'll actually happen at their second meeting in May, May 18th. Um, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's just the one item then that we'll be revisiting uh, in two weeks. That's correct. Thank you. Okay. I think that was it. Does anybody uh, want to make a motion? I move we adjourn. This is Jeremy. I, I second that motion. Okay, so Commissioner Hanna made a motion to adjourn, and uh, Commissioner Roger seconded. Do we need to do a roll call, Grant? We do need to do roll call on this. Yeah. All right, so Pine. Yes. Roderick. Yes. Kohlinger. Yes. Rogers. Yes. Hannah. And Grant. Yes. Bain. Yes. Seibel. Yes. And Mayville. Yes. We are adjourned. Thank you very much. Good meeting again, Grant. Thank you. Yes. Everybody Thanks. keep Grant. healthy. Everybody Grant. keep healthy, okay? Bye-bye. Yeah, take care of those bears, Gail. <laughs> <laughs>